Matt Pranka of X-Ray Alpha was a must-have on the show for me. At the start of the interview, Matt jokingly refers to himself as notorious, given some of the attention he's received from the shooting community at large. Look, love him or hate him, agree or don't agree with him. I think there's some value in challenging the status quo in the way he's doing it. And maybe this interview gives you a little bit more insight to where he's coming from. Personally, I think Matt's exactly the kind of person that the industry needs right now. And this includes all its quote-unquote characters to keep things in check, or at least a little uncomfortable. Speaking of comfort, if you've gotten a little too comfortable in your own health and fitness program and need a different kind of challenge, check out rdftrainonline.com. There you're going to find both self-guided and personalized programs to help you look, feel, and perform your best. Currently, you can get 20% off our most popular strength and muscle building program called RDF Strong. So go to rdfstrong.com and use STRONG20, that's code STRONG20, at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to Iron Sights After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond, taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together. I'm sitting here in front of a uh, legendary Matt Pranka. <laughs> no, not legendary. Maybe. Well, welcome to the show. Notorious, I guess. Yeah, notorious. Uh, I think it's a good, that, that may be a good way of putting it. I mean, to be fair, um, you might not need much introduction. I think a lot of people know who you are and X-Ray Alpha and what you're doing with your, with your company. Yep. That's a, for me, that's the most important thing. X-Ray Alpha training company I started, um, when I retired, I retired from the mill and started a training company 2020, 2019 was like the first time I actually ran, uh, classes, some conferences and stuff, and then kind of got into the training space and have really enjoyed it. Never thought I would be as into training like law enforcement and military. You know, it's in my opinion, pretty rewarding and I've been enjoying it in the last few years. I mean, the guys I talked to that do what you do, I mean, they're, they're, the, the whole mission is to serve and to give back and to make sure we're training people up. And I want to talk about the training and, and things, but I want to know what's, what inspired or how it actually, the company actually started, you know, like, so you're, you're retired from one, you're just like, I can't stop. I'm just, I got to keep going. I got to keep doing this. Or did somebody encourage you or trick you into it? What happened? I think, no, the company actually started with me and another guy, um, EJ, who I worked with, a phenomenal shooter and, we started, we had been talking about it, you know, I was coming up on retirement and we kind of had like spitballed it. And it was actually him that, that took all the initiative, right? Like we, we had planned it. Hey, we're going to do this. And he showed up at my house one night and had like all the all LLC stuff done. He's like, Hey, sign here. We're, we're doing, doing it. it. And I was like, okay. Um, um, needless to say, like when that night, it's obvious it's like, okay, yep, we're all in on this. And we had already been like writing a bunch of stuff and, you know, planning it. You mean like curriculum wise? Yeah. Yeah. Curriculum, but also just more, I mean, more concepts and ideas and 
and sort of like kind of um, spitballing how the company would look, what what the focus would be, um, you know, and everything down to like really kind of nuanced minutia stuff about about training and just really our views of it. And we share we shared very common opinions about training and what was important. So it was it was a pretty easy thing. When you talk about like the concepts and the things like you're spitballing, but there's probably some things that were very, very specific and decided on right away. Where did it, where did that start? What did that look like? It started. The nucleus of it. Yeah. It honestly started with like discussions about um, what we, people we had trained with in the past. So like a kind of a weird thing, like I've never been to anyone else's class. Now from my time in the military, I had the opportunity to train with all kinds of guys, yeah, like yeah, probably all of top level, you know, competition guys. Um, and, and the things that there's obviously some stuff that, Hey, I really liked how this guy taught the way he delivered information. And then other guys, it's like, Oh, not so much. And really it, it the, the start of it was, Hey, let's make a class that is all the things that we like in a class. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for me personally, well, like what? Like what was that? Like like I've been to plenty of trainings where it was, you know, you kind of you're going to shoot for 20 minutes and then talk for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or a lot lots of like long protracted debates with little or or long discussion, you know, instruction points with very little shooting mm-hmm. or limited amount of time behind the behind the gun to practice those concepts. So it was, hey, we're just going to flip it upside down and we're going to use like kind of an inductive teaching method where guys have to go through this journey and we're going to do all the teaching from the line, um, teach from behind the line mm-hmm. and give guys time behind Trigger their time. guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, for me, that's been the, the most important thing like in my own shooting journey is, is things that I've figured out by doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously there's influences and input from, from guys, even guys that I still train with now but I think until you are actually putting that stuff into practice, it's all, it all becomes like theory based. Mm-hmm. And then we were trying to figure out how to conceptualize that inside a class. How can we do that? You know, is it going to be a two day format, three day format? What does that look like? And ideally we kind of looked at, Hey, we want to teach rifle and pistol, you know, or all, you know, all, all rifle, all pistol classes, and then looked at a three-day format for rifle and pistol and kind of just worked on the course flow initially. And a lot of the ideas, I want to say probably for the first year, were never even really written down, like in any type of structured format. You're just kind of feeling your way through it and it's evolving. But I also imagine like you had some ideas, right? This is what we think. How has it evolved? Like how has it changed? Um, and I think what I'm hearing or picking up from you is is like, Look, we knew what we wanted to do and we needed to fill this out. We needed to try doing it. So there was this yeah. doing piece. But how has it changed? I mean, did anything catch you off guard? Like, oh shit, we can't do that. Or we we thought we wanted to do this and no, 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 no. That I'll that's not you, a good idea. Yeah. There were some things like that with in terms of how we wanted to run a range. You know, we wanted to run it the way that we were used to doing ranges in the military. Okay. Um, not very structured, you know, and a lot of that stuff in the law enforcement world. Guys it's very are, different. It is. And we we figured out early on, like, hey, we're going to mitigate this with class size, right? Okay. And we looked at kind of very basic military principles of instruction. Hey, we'll keep it at five or six to one. So it kept our classes to like 12 guys. 
And then obviously over time, it was like, okay, we got to rethink some of this stuff because unless you're running 12 man classes, you know, every year, we want this to be a business and not so much right, a hobby, a hobby right, type yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but there were some things like that that didn't really catch us off guard, but we we saw like the actual conduct of it. Like, hey, we gotta we can do this, you know, with the ex, with the the safety explanation, but at the end of the day, um, we don't have a real way to vet the people use the coming law in. enforcement. You know, law enforcement, military as our primary model for training only came from not that we weren't interested in training civilians. I, I definitely am, but it was, Hey, this is, this is a known quantity that we know for sure. We know these guys have basic training, mm-hmm. you know, basic level firearms training. Cause we weren't interested in teaching safety, safety and basic stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the, um, that, that is really why like, Hey, this demographic is who we're going to look to. Um, that's where that came from. And then, what we saw though was like, hey, there was a vast. I was just going to ask, yeah, what did you really see? There was yeah. a huge difference in terms of skills and ability, um, you know. And then part of that developed, like, hey, well, we will structure these classes not as contract classes, but as like open enrollment law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So if guys find their way to it, it's not that they're being like voluntold to it, and that's been successful where we we get a more. Debt, not a more dedicated guy that, you know, tons of LEOs are dedicated, but the interest level and in guys putting in work on their own time, mm-hmm. um, when it's a little bit higher, those guys are usually a little bit more well-practiced, or at least they're a little bit more invested into yeah. their own training. Every instructor that's sat in that chair or otherwise has said that same thing. Like, I really want to just, I want to train people that really want to be trained, you know, because that they're going to get much, so much more out of it. And so, so am I, uh, that investment in their training, that's the time, that's the energy, it's the travel, it's the, it's the, the, uh, finance and, and all those things. And generally what that means is you don't always get, you know, the best shooters, but you at least get somebody that really wants to be there and is really going to work hard for you. There is. Yeah. And you see that in terms of like dedicating resources to it, you know, time is in my opinion, the, the biggest thing, the money part. Yeah. Guys are a lot of a lot of law enforcement guys are paying out of pocket, mm-hmm. you know, and then with that, there's a huge, you run a inductive learning type class where we're going to shoot high volume round count. That's another significant cost that sometimes, you know, depending mm-hmm. on when the ammo prices were bad, it was, it it's was prohibitive more than yeah, the actual class than itself. the actual class itself. So it was trying to, Hey, we, we get it. Guys are, you know, I always understood guys are putting a lot into this. So my responsibility is we've got to make sure it's worthwhile that they're getting what they want out of it. It can't be cookie cutter. It can't be the same thing, you know, year after year. And then the model that I've been following late, it comes in like, Hey, this is going to evolve as my shooting evolves. Mm-hmm. Cause I think what, what I've seen in the instructional space is there are a lot of very, very good instructors that practice what they teach and they don't train themselves to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's where I try to, I always try to get guys to lean on, hey, look to the competitive guys, the world champions that are out there trying to con- win year after year after year. Those guys are evolving as shooters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to for they their business. Be, and then they should want to, yeah. which is a whole other thing. And I understand there's a balance, right? There's a balancing act of, you know, training and and shooting or doing the business and administrating the business, but that also getting better at the business. It's a craft, right? And it's a perishable skill yeah. at the same time. And 
it's evolving very, very quickly. And that's kind of what I want to get into here is just with regard to like your philosophy, you know, on training and shooting, because obviously it's a big part of the business and um, it's very, like everybody's got their own, their own stuff, right. And their own experiences and, you know, where they're coming from. I'm curious how you package that. Now you explain that in a way, you know, that the, that the end user, you know, knows what they're getting themselves into before they get there. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty upright with the course descriptions. Like, Hey, it's not a, a basic level course, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's a shooting course. It's not, my philosophy would be, you know, we have to develop and overdevelop hard skills before you really look at anything else. And I think in guys with a tactical background, military law enforcement, they really focus on, in my opinion, the wrong things. They, because, you know, it, you could give a class on where to stand in a room for CQB and you could get everybody pretty tight in about an hour, right? You come in, you go here, you go here. Now there's going to be more nuanced stuff with what they're doing when okay. they get there. But the, the big blue arrow stuff is at the end, when we all stop moving, you guys are in this, this is where you're supposed to you be. get it. Yeah. And then you look at, okay, but there's always something that's going to happen to solve a problem, whether it's active shooter, whether it's vehicle stuff, whether it's CQB, whatever. It's a fight with the gun, with your tools. And then what I've found out over my journey is like, that's the hard part, right? The predictability or the unpredictability? Unpredictability? No, the skill. Just skill skill development. development. Just that skill development to, to be able to use that tool in a way that is going to mimic an actual engagement or, or make the worst situation, you know, survivable for you. And you want it. And I always look at it. Hey, I want consistency with a ton of performance and a ton of accountability and confidence, right. And balance it. It's they, those, those things shouldn't all be competing efforts. Right. Okay. And what I think guys do, what I've seen in my own journey is like, they, they, get under different umbrellas, right? Or they'll put a big, heavy blanket of tactics Mm -hmm. as a reason to not have a lot of performance. Or they'll say, well, you just can't do it that fast, or you just can't, you can't process it that fast. And I'm, from my experience, I'm like, you can, but it takes a lot of work. It just takes a lot more work than going through a sequence of what do we do to get out of the vehicle? What do we do when we come into this room? That's the easy part. You know, the tactics part is easy. Mm -hmm the the hard the hardest part in my opinion is the shooting piece right the hard skill development that takes years and years and years and then it's it's honestly a journey there's no end point you know you look at from a performance side i kind of look at performance three different ways like acceptable good and possible okay right and to me acceptable is where standards live okay whatever that is like department standards or a, a good qualification that you have to measure yourself or things you like to shoot us practical shooting kind of standard mm-hmm. exercises that's acceptable. And then most of your training time you spend in, Hey, this is actually good where you're pushing okay. and trying to develop skill, but then you have to have time where you're exploring what is possible pushing like, beyond the limit. What can I actually do um, with this? You know, and you start to apply a lot of different metrics. You know, I, I know I can pull the trigger this fast. Yep. Right. If I, if I can, if I can pull the trigger, you know, I can shoot six rounds from my rifle in 1.2 seconds. I should be able to move those rounds 
at my own discretion around a target or across two targets in that, that same, same amount, amount of time. time. That makes sense. And that that's where we're sense. exploring, hey, what can we actually do? Because what I've found with the time that I've trained law enforcement, every call that I've seen doesn't mimic what the engagements look like. Give me an example. Um, speed is the easiest one, Okay, right? Typical police call is, hey, stand at five yards, shoot three rounds, reload, shoot three more rounds in 12 seconds. It's a long time. It is. It's an eternity, right? Mm-hmm. We, especially if you, exp- what can you do in those 12 seconds? I mean, you don't have to be an expert to know that. I mean, just flip through Instagram, look at a body cam it, footage. That's that's the best thing. And and to me, like all that information for law enforcement is right there. You have all, you have the ability to change your training just based off by what you're seeing. Um, and I think different departments co- approach it differently. differently yep. Guys that have a, a more... A, da- a more dangerous work environment, more serious kind of police culture where, hey, there's a higher probability you're going to get into a fight. Their training looks different than, like, say, the guys from the Midwest. Yeah, that's, I don't, that's not weird either, right? I mean, if you're in a high crime, high violence area, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, there's so much left out, you know, for those guys that live in the lower crime yeah. areas or whatever. So, yeah, no, it is. And and then if you if there's a significant number of of guys, I think, that just look to, well, the department trains me. This is what they say I have to I'm do. Good. And this is what I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then usually by the time they realize they're not, hopefully it's not too late, mm-hmm. but they've had an incident. And then what I've noticed, I've just spent three weeks in Phoenix area training. And a lot of guys that have had shootings really get in to, like, like, wow, I need to train more. I need to train more. I'm not ready for and this. And they got lucky or whatever yeah. the case is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, all the factors that come into play with any type situation like that, but they all get into the training and then they look like, well, well, the, the, the classic tactical style training isn't going to do it for me. And really quickly, like if guys are exercise a little bit of common sense, they find their way to the practical world where they're, Hey, there's a lot of performance there. They're balancing speed and accuracy, you know, with a lot of control that's how we have to train. Yeah. Uh, so that, that actually, actually was a, a few questions that I think I had just kind of getting inside your head about how you approach things and what I hear you say. Um, probably articulated that before and I just never caught it or, you know, you said it in a way that I really got it, which is interesting because that's how coaching goes sometimes. You can say it a million times and then one yeah. time one time it just, I mean, you're in the right space at the right time and it, and it sets and in. And you know from, from your experience coaching where, Every different people need to hear things differently yep. and different people need different pathways to get to the same end, end goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's got to be tailored fit. So, you know, that's, that's a, hard and it's hard to do. It's very difficult to do. I think there is a, there's a component to teaching that I've learned over the last three years of being able to kind of like diagnose and, and read people, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. I think that's the first, you got to, be able to recognize mistakes that guys are making. And the easiest way to do that is by internalizing it because you've already done this journey and you've made those mistakes. Okay. Right. Not there was, there was always, you know, and I'm sure the, the firearms training you've done, you've seen it like, Hey, if you, if you shoot low and left, you're jerking the trigger. Right. If it goes to the right and it's, right. and all those things and people regurgitate that. Well, it doesn't take very many rounds for you to go through this journey that, that's not the case. Those every things time. are not the case. Those are like very rudimentary we can ideas. Start there, right? Yeah. You can start there, but it's 
it's not, you're very going to quickly see, especially in the tactical world, that in an engagement, like you, you watch these body cam footages, everyone's jerking the trigger. Or if in the practical world, you just put somebody, hey, I want you on a bills draw, I want you to draw and, and shoot six rounds in under two seconds from seven yards. Everyone's going to pull the trigger the same way. Mm-hmm. They're going to jerk it. Yeah. Right. So they're under pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're, you're telling me that jerking the trigger makes it go to the left when I see thousands of guys that can shoot fist sized groups. What's the difference? What's at the that difference speed. Issue? So you have to kind of exp- like be a little critical in your thinking, like start picking this stuff apart. Like maybe what has been promoted in terms of information over the years is not necessarily true. Yeah. Okay. Or not get, true for everybody. That's that, that. That's where I would go with that. Like it, it's true sometimes, but not all the time. And uh, in the shooting world, what you get are the absolutes. A lot of absolutes. Like it has to be this way, or no, this is the way we've done it for this long. So this is the way it is. Yeah. And people get really, really testy when you start challenging those truths. I'll call them truth with like a, a lowercase t. You know? They do, and it's. Yes, I've experienced that quite a bit. So people get testy, they get very emotional, right? Mm-hmm. And and I always try to like engage people in those conversations, even if it's pretty, you know, um, pretty challenging initially and aggressive. It's like, hey, let's talk about it. Well, let's see. And then now we've got to talk about not not experience like where you came from, but let's talk about your experience in training and shooting. Mm-hmm. And what I've found a lot of times you get guys that are the high opinion, low commitment dudes. Yeah, you've got some really, really strong opinions, but your commitment level to this to is this conversation, very low. you mean? Or no, to the to training. The training. Gotcha. Because it's it's like organizational. Hey, this is what we've always done. Mm-hmm. You you can't you can't attack this paradigm that I've believed for 20 years. And then tell me it's not real. And then it's like, okay, well, let's talk about your experience with shooting this way. Yeah, I would liken this. So just on my experience, which is, this may be a terrible analogy or comparison when I use it, because I think a lot of people could probably relate to it. It's like getting in this conversation of nutrition when you're comparing like vegan to carnivore. It's turned into like a religion. Again, if you attack it in any way whatsoever, and it's not that either are wrong, right? Hey, do what works for you, man, you know? But neither are the best. And as soon as you start thinking that they're, they're, that's the absolute best way, right? It's the only way. And I think that's maybe yeah. more the way to look at it. This is the only way. And here's all the reasons why. What you end up doing is you become very intolerant to having any other kind of discussion about it. And you start yeah. to look for camps or agency with other people inside an echo chamber that want to just share the same the same philosophy, the same feelings yeah. and and emotions and everything else around not being wrong. It's it becomes it becomes less about being right still, I think, and it becomes about not being wrong. Yeah. On the on the chance that the other person might actually know what they're talking about, or we bringing bringing sort of an argument to it. So that's just my piece on that because I do see it that way. I see a lot of I see people treating it like a religion. I think in the in the shooting world, it is there. There's definitely camps. There's a there's a very dogmatic approach to some of this stuff. And then there are a lot of guys that, that have ideas that will surround themselves with, they, they want people with the same idea because that somehow is validating that idea. And I've seen it with trying to, to get guys to talk about shooting live. Let's talk about tactics live. Let's talk about training. And as soon as they perceive it as like, well, this is an attack or, 
they can't articulate their point or they don't feel like they can correctly, they're the the easy button is just, hey, I'm just gonna block this guy, mm. ignore him, and then like it all goes away. Yeah, or drop some, you know, apparent mic drop on a in a comment or whatever else. I think that's one of the other challenging things about what we're talking about right now is because this deserves discussion, right? And and people people are gonna start formulating opinions or they're gonna make up their make up their mind without having gone down that path. And the and the medium in which the shooting I want to, I'm gonna use the word community here and I want to come back to it. Yeah. But but uh, the the community again in air quotes I'm using here, it's really tough because the medium is Instagram, right? And it's so it's a it, short video. It it's is attention span issues, and there's, there's very little context a lot of times, and there's no consideration for the background, where this came from, or even why that comment is being made, or and yeah. for the reasons. It may be relating to another comment somewhere. Where did you come into it in the comment section? All of that stuff. I think that I think that's that's tough. I think the com- the community again coming back to that in a second needs to police that better. I think they and what yeah. I mean by that is they need to realize what the fuck is going on. Yeah, right? and just chill for a sec. So, yeah, there's a lot there to talk. So <laughs> I just had this conversation with Ben Steger. We were teaching together, and you know you can put out an Instagram video that is I try to put stuff out that's informative, right? As with as much explanation as I can fit in and I to a 15 second reel or try whatever. Try to ga- right? yeah. gauge it like no one's going to read the, or the the right guys are going to read the whole thing. So I experiment with different things like hey, I'll just put the words on the screen, little tidbits and try to get guys to read the description. But you put out what I would think is hey, this is good information and it gets 500 likes. But you make a video a stupid video that like ben made what a like it's basically a troll video okay so define stupid like it's like he's joking around it's, it's obviously techniques that he is not advocating for okay gotcha it's satirical and it's a hundred percent satire right yeah. it's a it's a troll and within 20 minutes that thing has 3900 likes and a thousand shares okay and that's where i think is 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 very interesting about instagram where on one side, you know, you're like, hey, the biggest thing for me w- when I got onto Instagram was I don't ever want to go anywhere where my shooting in real life looks different than what people see on the internet. Okay. Because I've seen that plenty. And so, you mean it's not the highlight reel on the it's internet? It's not the highlight reel. Like, hey, this is what training looks like. This is what my training looks like. You know, um, this is where I'm at in terms of skill. Like, because I think a lot of guys get, from the tactical world get skewed about what real training looks like. They all want to leave the range with a fist sized group in their target. But I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here, Matt. I think some people would, would challenge that statement and go like, well, what is real training, Matt? What do you mean when you say that? Like, what does real training look like? I think real training looks like a lot of failure. Got you. It looks like, it looks like you're pushing hard. You're trying to develop. It looks like you're figuring things out, right? It's, it's, and you're um, not being afraid to do that. Yeah, you're fair? not being afraid to to fail. To push. Right? You're yeah. setting conditions where it's okay to fail, right? And then throughout that whole thing, like talk about the competitive side. You know, I view like matches is also training. You're putting it out there. Now you've got con- you've created conditions where there's a little bit of stress. People are watching. It's going to be measured. There's a clock. It's yeah. going to be listed. Right. Everyone can see it. Right. That's a level of stress that a lot of guys in the in the tactical don't want to subject themselves to 
because it's for me, it was an invaluable tool where it shows, hey, this is where I was at on this day at this time. Okay. And it gives you a benchmark. It's measurable. And there's tons of metrics there for you to go off of. Mm -hmm. It'll tell you how many alphas you're getting, how many misses, how many penalties. And for me, it was always a good thing to gauge, to kind of drive my training, you know, from a competitive, competitive goals that I had. Um, Hey, this is what you're not doing good. This is what you're doing good. Gotcha. And I think real training, real training on the, in the firearm side looks faster, more aggressive than any engagement, right? You make it that way so that you're used to just, you're kind of inoculated to operating at this level. Right. And with that, though, comes a lot of failure. A lot of times the bulls don't go where you want them to go. And you have the work side of the training is now you have to develop foundational skills and fundamentals that you can do that pace. So, you know, when they when you play the game for real, the game is easier than the training ever was. Okay, so that that's. um, What I heard you say there sounded different than what I may have thought I heard you say before. Not that you said something different, but I just didn't hear it in this way. And that is training at speed well beyond what the limits are, right? And how important that is with regard to to what's going to happen in a real-life situation based on the experiences. And I got I to say, I've had a lot of people sit in that chair, whether it was on air or even off air, that have told me about officer-involved shootings that they've been in. And the first thing they say is when they, when they, there's a few things that are very common. And one of the things is, is everything slows down, right? They think they're moving slow. Yeah. And then when they go back and they watch footage or, you know, like body cam footage, whatever, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is that shit was fast. It happened so fast. Yeah. But it felt like it, everything goes in, into slow motion. And so when you're like brain mapping, right. And, you know, you're taking in all this um, effort and information in your training scenarios, you are laying down like this, basically this roadmap of how to get to the end so that you can, the end being, what is my action or my response to this going to be? So I can get in like the the physiological side of what it, what, yeah. what specific training will do. And so the, the match shooting starts to prepare you for that. It's not, so when I hear you say real, it's real training, but it's also real physiological stress. It's real uh, emotional stress, yeah. which it, those are, and all that shit matters. All that shit matters when it comes down to what your ultimate performance is going to be. And so, yeah, I get like, if you're going to, if you're going to be in this, you know, and I hear people challenging, maybe you've done this, I don't know, but if you're, you're going to challenge somebody that carries a gun for a living that may very well be in one of these situations, you need to get out, you need to push yourself. You should be in competition. You should be doing this. I, I don't think that's a wrong statement. No, make. I don't. For me, it's not. And I think it's, it's just, it's what's available now in terms of like to actually test yourself, right? Because you, you can go to the range, your own range, your own conditions. It's all favorable for you. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of guys will perform at a really high level, right? And you take them out and just add a different element of stress, right? Because we can't really, if we're focusing on just shooting, you know, there's not a whole bunch of stresses, you know, historically guys will say, Hey, we're going to do this physical thing. And then that will, that oh, will mimic a stress. Yeah. Like you go do burpees, burpees and pushups and then, you know, get up and shoot. Yeah. And I think for me, physical, like working out has never affected the shooting the way that like the stress of an actual fight 
affects it. I think people are finally starting to get that. I mean, if I went back, like say a year on Instagram or whatever, I'm going to see people doing kettlebell swings and then picking up a, you know, and then carrying ammo boxes across the range and then shooting again. And I'm not saying there's zero value to any of that, but the perceived value at the time was much different than I think it is now. I think that's kind of going away. At least I hope it is. But what you're saying is, is the acceptance to the stresses that you get from say match shooting have not fully been adopted yet. And this is where we're at with such an accessible thing for you to be able to go out and do. Yeah. Why are we fighting it? It's easy. I mean, they fight it because it's, you're, it's real. Everyone's going to know. Yeah. Right. If I don't ever have to shoot in those conditions, then I can be whatever I want to be. Right. Whatever I say is going to be gospel. And, and I think too, there was another, there was like the tactical we talked about, I talked about like, Hey, everybody gets under these blankets or these umbrellas as a, as a excuse or a reason, well, I can't be fast because of this. Right. And you hear it. Well, the targets don't shoot back or, you know, where they all are at. Okay. But any competitive shooter will tell you, yes, you know where they're all at. Go walk through a stage for five minutes. And then the first match, I guarantee you on almost every stage, you'll, you'll forget your plan. <laughs> and that's, there's no, yeah, the, the, the world that, focuses, things are, things are different, right? Yeah. And they like, okay, well, the targets don't shoot back. Well, in no training do the yeah. targets shoot back. I mean, somebody's going to make an argument though, Matt, like, well, you can go force on force. Sims and or, I, I love that discussion because we can talk about force on force Sims and every single person that does force on force Sims will shoot a Sims gun in ways that they cannot shoot a real gun. It's true. I guess there's no recoil, very little aiming, very little accountability. Now, if you set the conditions of that Sims training, like, Hey, the easy thing, t-shirts and just eye pro <laughs> take all of that stuff. It gets off. a little bit more quote unquote real. It uh, gets a lot more real. Yeah. You know, I think it, you know, and then also there has to be, I believe when you do force on force training, there has to be a much higher level of discipline in the training. Or otherwise, it just turns into really expensive paintball. Paintball, yeah, or or, yeah. or airsoft or, or whatever. And that goes back to who you're bringing in, what is their, what what level are their hard skills at, huh? yeah. you, you know, before even getting into any you'll of this. You'll do things, you'll do things with a Sims rifle in CQB that you never should do with a real rifle in terms of shooting it or the accountability is not there, right? Like, Get it. You're slinging rounds back and forth at five feet. You shot five rounds. He shot five rounds. You were hit twice. He was hit twice. Cool. Where'd the other six rounds go? Mm-hmm. This is like things that need to be addressed. And that's where I think force on force training is obviously it's invaluable. You know, I've done plenty of it, but you have to frame it correctly, right? If the foundational skills and the fundamentals aren't at least moderately developed, all of that stuff, in my opinion, is a waste of time. Yeah, it's just like um, downloading, you know, downloading, you know, the recent, the most recent Apple operating system onto your fucking Commodore 64. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's no room for it because you you just don't have the bandwidth for it. Yeah. yeah. So like you talk, go back to like the philosophies. One of the philosophies I've always had throughout my professional career in shooting is that the shooting just needs to run in the background. Right. Uh, explain that. We're asking guys to do so much on a tactic side, right? Now, CQB is the easiest one to talk about it since I'm the most familiar with it. You're coming in, right? There, There's a lot of things in terms of the conduct of the assault that you're considering. You know, unknown floor plan, large explosive breaches, very, very aggressive movement. Not the stuff you see on like 
Instagram. I mean, guys are running and shooting. And in addition to that, you have to identify a target, decide if it's a threat, discriminate it. Now you have to shoot it. With all of that stuff going, the shooting just needs to happen. But what you see in training is that guys are still trying to figure out where to stand and what a footwork piece looks like or where their sector is or visually what they should be doing. And then once they get, oh, yep, I got to shoot that target. Now they have to actively aim at it because they're, they don't have the confidence that they can make that five foot shot. Right. And that's where I think you have to go back to the training and be like, look, there's, there's huge training issues there. If the foundational skills are not developed or overdeveloped, the other training, you're not getting out of it what I think you should, or at least you're not getting the most out of it that you can. Yeah. We're talking about footwork and you're still not shooting at the proficiency level you need to be shooting at. Yeah. We're, Yeah, we're as an CCB, example. Yeah. We're taking shots, you know. In in a normal house, a long shot would be forty five feet. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, so it's a long way. Yeah. People will sharpshoot that. Well, what about a Walmart and a Target? That's great. So well, whatever scenario you can concoct even, in your head. It, yeah. Now it's still a shot inside, but it's more aggressive. And that we can have a different conversation. How aggressive can you be at seventy five yards at a hundred yards? Right? Because to me. Like I look at those as CQB distances, right? Kind of 120 and in is how I conceptualize, hey, those are the close, that's close distances. And then I want to be really fast, nasty, aggressive, a lot of performance, 80 and in. Gotcha. Right? But a lot of people will look at CQB and they train at kind of three yards, five yards, seven yards, 10 yards even. You have to program yourself that, those are throwaways. Yeah, it, those are arbitrary numbers, I'm right? not, yeah. But when I move up that close with a rifle, I'm not missing. You're not, yeah, you're not aiming. Well, you are, but yeah. But it's... You, it's, a, it's an expectation. Like, it should be automatic. Yeah, you can get away with a lot of mistakes and still get the bullets to go where you want them to go, I gotcha. think, at that, at that distance. Um, yeah, so I think on the training side, that's where, you know, you, you separate the hard skills from everything else. And I think when you're working on the hard skills, the shooting piece, you know, the movement piece, shooting while moving in and out of position, that stuff, you isolate that from the tactics and you have to develop that at a level that I think a lot of people are not accustomed to once they get how much time and how much effort it takes. Is it fair to say they're just trying to move through it too fast anyway? Like, and and maybe let me back up with this and just kind of talk about the curriculum a little bit because... Okay, so I'm I'm law enforcement, and you know I, I I do some some comp shooting. I'm out there in the range a little bit. I want to take one of these one of these classes or whatever, um, and I show up. Like, what? How do you control that, right? Like, and so within the curriculum, within the the, the classes that you're teaching, you you already mentioned you're going to have people of all different levels. It's vast, and that yeah, that's just a, that's just a challenge every instructor is going to have with any session. Every time, right? It just it just is what it is. You have a different audience that you're working with, unless you're working with the same guys. How do you push them, right? And still push the other guys, right? Because what you're talking about is pushing them. We're we're past the fundamentals piece. Yeah. Right at this point. How do you do that and do it effectively and proficiently? So we simplify it, right? Um, for me, I focus on two fundamentals, two foundational skills that I believe you sort those out, a lot of the other things fall into place, right? We focus on grip and vision, right? And being very disciplined with both of those. In terms of the curriculum and the conduct of the class, 
it's very, you know, it's the right amount of instruction at the right time. Okay. Rather than we can sit in a classroom and do a two hour block on, on grip and vision and really get nuanced and talk about it and then go to the range and literally regurgitate the whole have thing. to do it over all, and over all over again. Yeah. So I think the, the right way in terms of, of how I conduct the classes is, Hey, this is the point that we're driving home at this yard. Like these are the cues reiterating that watching guys, you know, teaching from behind the line, the spot corrections, the one-on-one time, but there has to be a certain amount of volume associated with that. Then when we move back, we're going to reset the conditions. It's the same drill. Yep. But now we're changing it a little bit and we're changing where we want your focus on. Based on what you're seeing and from the student, right? And, and, well, and how everyone's going to get, get how responding. In a, in a, in a course, every, it's going to change for everyone, but the individual feedback changes, right? Because the last course we did, right? We had, we had a grandmaster level practical shooter, law enforcement guy in the class. And then we had, you know, kind of guys that had been in the class that had, 25 plus years in law enforcement and very rigid in their, in their training, how we talk, just the words we say to those two guys, they have to be different. Mm -hmm. Not only can they be different, right? But you have to look at, you could have two guys making the exact same mistake, but this guy has to be treated one way or he needs this explanation is going to be more successful for him based off of everything. Like, you read every the demeanor, his mm-hmm. background, what you know about him, mm-hmm. right? Where this guy might need something different, right? Some people like a very technical, yep, you know, um, explanation. explanation. And yep. the other guys that like, hey, let's keep it very simple, right? We try to try to minimize it in terms of how the length of delivery, because I want you to shoot, right? And get, but but that's where I think the kind of the art of the instruction is giving the right words to the right guy. At the right, because guys can be making the same mistake. But if this guy's making this mistake and he's been shooting for two years, and this guy is a GM level shooter making the same mistake, the exp- the the cues that they pay to have to be different. They have to be different. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the term instruction. I think it's that is there's an art there. There's a there's so much nuance in that, right? Like depending on who, where, yeah. you know, how they got there, what they've been doing, what they haven't been doing, what they've been exposed to, what their experiences have been. There's this, you know, it's a coaching versus instruction and a good coach understands what a guy needs to hear when, when he needs to hear and the way he needs to hear that. And that's not the same for everybody. And you'd be doing your, it's not, these are not one-on-one sessions. These are group sessions. I see people get upset because they hear or see something being said to somebody in a specific way, using specific terminology or specific words. And you mentioned the grandmaster versus the cop for 25 years has been hearing very, very, yeah. very, very different things. It could be literally offensive to, to, to the cop to be hearing what you're saying to this guy. Because that is just so far out our policy and procedure, or whatever. And then the next thing you know, I'm just going back to, to Ben's post, you know, like a satirical post. It turns into a shitstorm, right? It's yeah. like, but you missed everything that you just articulated there for the last couple of minutes about how, why or how that might have come up you know, or why it should have been said the way, way it's said. But I want to go back to actually that post for a second, because, you know, a lot of people would argue, he's like, dude, you know, Ben's just stirring the fucking pot. He's just doing that to piss people off, really push people's buttons. I'm like, is he, or is he just having fucking fun? So like having been there, 
right? We were we were on different bays. When, I sorry, I want to talk about. I'm not asking you to answer for Ben. I'm asking your no, but your take is on this. Yeah, I think yes to all of it. Okay, and I think that's necessary, right? Yeah, I think there's some people who need their buttons pushed, right? You're in the wrong echo chamber. The there there are, you know. There's a lot of guys with huge audiences that say things, right, that I disagree with. Does that mean I shouldn't say I disagree with it? No. No, I think it's, we all have this platform, right? The The best thing that we can do is have a discussion, right? There are some people that probably should should be a little pissed off that he made that post. It, at least you're paying attention to it. Okay. And now, hey, well, let's take that one specifically. Let's look at central axis relock shooting at distance. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Right. If we can't even have that discussion without you getting emotional about it, <laughs> then there's no, then yeah, your buttons were pushed, right? But also, like here's a huge cue with how Instagram works: just hit unfollow. Yeah, I know, man. It's pretty simple. If you don't like it, stop yeah. paying attention to it. So why are you coming back to it? Why are you yeah? Why do you keep commenting? Why are you still getting pissed? And that's off? the thing where it's like it. It's not, a lot of people, and I hear that a lot. Oh, it's stirring the pot. It's your your. It's breeding hate. It's toxic, divisive, and to all those like to that thing. I'm like, you guys wouldn't have survived five minutes. Okay, so. in my old life, like this is not aggressive. It's like, I just I don't know. Maybe I have different friends, but the way that the guys that I associate, the way that we talk with each other and interact with each other that would be on the mild side of what the public, like that, that level of challenge is, Right. Um, so I don't, you know, I also think that that word gets through. It's, it was amazing to me that so many guys with huge platforms with, with great backgrounds, you know, even some good ideas talk like, like the way that my 15 year old does. I get you. Oh, it's toxic. Like I've never been called toxic before 2023. <laughs> like, like it's, I don't I, think, I mean, I mean, think you're going to define what that word means. What does that word mean? I think and then it starts to go down this path of, well, it's toxic must mean like it's, it's breaking things up. It's breaking things down. It's splitting people into factions. It's being divisive. Um, might be one way of looking at it, but that's a, that's somebody that's internalized whatever that comment was or whatever that post was or whatever. And they've thought about it. And they're like, I feel this way. And that pulls me over to this side. Now I feel like I have to have an opinion about it. I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to wait for somebody else to comment and then agree or disagree or whatever. So when I see, again, like I, I, I use the term stirring the pot, um, getting people riled up about something I think is healthy. Right. And I think we need to do that yeah. more. We definitely need to do that. When I say we, I mean, we, I mean, the collective. We. I'm not even talking about the shooting in community. Any field, yeah, you gotta have thing. convictions about things. You yeah. should have. You should. Debating is normal, right? Arguing. It doesn't have to be an argument, but an argument isn't a bad thing, right? As long as at the end of the day we're being productive with it and people are being able to see different perspectives. I think the debates, the the stirring the pot, whatever you want to say, is is productive at some level, as long as that's the intention, right? I think it has a lot to do with. The, with the intent of it. And so I think there's where some of the questions now, might I come think in. the, yeah, the intent too. I get a lot of my intentions assigned to me by, by somebody by else, people in the, in the Instagram world. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, you're dividing this or you're dividing that. And it's like, no, I'm not dividing anything. I'm 
I'm trying to, well, I'm providing my input into the shooting world based off of what I've seen, right? I'm not talking about anything except shooting, mm-hmm. right? If we're talking about tactics, I'm talking about tactics. I'm not telling a story about either one of those things to validate it. My story is what I'm doing right now, right? And then let's have a discussion about it. Um, so for guys saying like, hey, it's what my intention, my intentions are, are to progress shooting for law enforcement and military and then in the near, like civilian guys that want to get better, mm-hmm. right? To put out, I put out as much free info, like I would put my entire course online, right? You could probably piece enough stuff together and get a pretty At decent, point, yeah. decent course of, of information. I believe that information should be out there because there's a lot of guys that don't have the resources to come train law enforcement, even military. Um, but they still want to get better. Right. So you try to guide them. Like I guide them to the things that helped me, the books that I leaned on, right. The guys that I went to based on your experiences, based on my own experiences. And and in, in terms, if I was trying to divide it, right, I would get behind a paywall it's the wor- and preach from, uh, <laughs> you know, Patreon, Patreon account. Yeah. It's the worst kind of business model to try to keep everything that close to the chest, particularly in this particular craft or thing, right? It's just because it's not the, the shooting itself isn't proprietary to, to anybody or anything, any agency. Yeah. I tell that I haven't had an original thought about shooting in over 30 years. <laughs> it's a good way of looking at it's, it. Yeah. You know, everything, you know, and what I have found, it's pretty interesting for myself, my own shooting training. You know, I was initially trained in like the early nineties. Okay. Um, first comp- competitive guy I ever shot with when I was in the military was Jerry Barnhart. Okay. And, he was one of the last guys I shot with 26 years later. And the information was still good. What I found like shooting looked one way before wars and things like that. And then it got, it morphed and got weird throughout a certain part of it. And then towards the end, a lot of the stuff went back to things that I knew that had been told because they were good concepts, right? Or maybe the explanation changed or, what people valued or didn't value. What's the weird is it? It's just that things were evolving so fast, and the, the information couldn't be crossed over from what was happening out here. Maybe I'll just use this term in general, like at the front, to get it to the guys in the back, to then have it tested or evolved. Like, I, no, you heard us wrong. That's not what we said. No, like, I, was it any of that? I think there was nobody of any value bringing stuff back and putting it into, into a business model, okay. right? And guys that did that, what you got. They, they didn't have enough experience or, you know, firsthand experience about this thing. So it became a copy of a copy of a copy of uh, a copy. Yeah. It's like that game of telephone. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. was like, and, and, and you can go back and see, Hey, who the guys were that, that were doing it. And they, they were developing shooting. Right. But it was all done. The GWAT was in full force and then everybody got it. Everybody owned the. They had the codec. They owned all of the experience. They were the most experienced. They were the most at this, the best at this. And they and they they rode on that. They rode on that for right. years. And it was like, you, you're riding on the wrong thing, right? Shooting is very demonstrable in terms of performance. Right. You just said the information was still good. Like it was, it's not. Yeah. 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 And, and I think the information about shooting is, you know, kind of what I've looked at was from my own 
from the 90s, it was it was really nuanced in terms of training, but we were still trying to achieve the same, same outcomes. Mm-hmm. 2023, you know, the last three or four years, in my goal of it is is trying to simplify it, but we're still get, trying to get the same outcomes that we did back then from a shooting standpoint. Tactics, all that stuff, yeah, it's, it's very experience-based, you know, well, you came from this, you came from that, right? Where I think you've got to get away from teaching tactics from an experience-based approach and teach them from a principle-based approach. And that's very difficult for guys to do. Yeah, I would think it is, especially if you're not, if you're, again, leaning on your past and not staying relevant and maybe what those, what the, the, I guess what the fundamentals really would be because you, who knows how they were taught, right? And then, you know, everybody's been there where they've, they've learned from a coach or they were told by this middle-level manager or whatever, like, I'm going to teach you how to do your job, right? And this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this is the policy and this is the procedure and this is the checklist and this is all that stuff. And this is how you're going to be successful and believe me because I've done it and whatever else. Then you get to wherever you're supposed to be and somebody on the other end goes, I know what that fucking dude just told you for the last six months. So they put their arm around you now, let me tell you how it's really going to happen. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, there's there's theory-based things and then there's practical-based things. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and I think that holds true in everything. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's also from even the fitness world, is there, there's like, you can be very scientific in your approach and you can be very like theory-based in your approach. And then there's a, there's a meathead element there too. Yeah, sure. That gets results. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's the same it's way. It's being the hammer. You know, it's, it's, uh, for me, it, it was like when you, when you start to have CQB discussions or, or that's, that's the one guys really, oh man, that one's hanging their hat on. Yeah. You want to light up the internet. That's the one you bring up there. And it's like, Hey man, like, let's just, well, let's talk about the principles, right? Cause I don't want to hear the experience or this, because then if we just, it just turns into tit for tat who can talk the last. That's right. Well, let's talk about the principles, right? Because in my mind, the principles of that stuff has never changed. What has changed is it was a copy of a copy of a, a copy, copy that was being sold as a business with no real understanding what the intent was or what threat you were trying to combat. And then what's been brought back to the law enforcement side is a much easier technique to execute than anything that's dynamic. Mm. And I believe that's why people latched onto it. Got it. Because, hey, this is easy. We don't have to be able to shoot aggressively to do this, right? And if a shooting happens, we're going to leave the house anyway and turn it into a barricade, right? And so reapproach the problem. Yeah. yeah. So really, you can almost divulge this argument into like, do you even need CQB? It's an interesting question, man. If that's what you're, you surround and call out everything, right? And then you just need to be able to thoroughly back clear a target, right? And that would be like the words that I would use to describe it. But it's, I think, I think in terms of the community or, or advancing things, the discussion about it is great. The problem is guys want to have it in the comment section and I want to have it live. So Matt, I hear you. And that's why I'm so fucking pumped to be here and having this conversation with you because I'm getting the distinct privilege to be able to do that with you. Trust me. I'm glad that it was, well, we were supposed to do this remotely yeah, and I was like, and got behind, missed that time. And that's where I, to me, it was important to come up and like, no, it's easy. I'll fly up here, have this, a live talk is going to be much better than a remote talk. Well, let me, let me tell you, look, you just told the the short story that 
I want to I want to make sure people hear this, you know, from me and not just from you. And that is, yeah, we were supposed to meet. I had reached out to you about, hey, are you going to be at Shot Show? You were saying, hey, no, I'm not because I'm going to be teaching, right? I'm yeah. going to be in Arizona, and I I knew you were going to be doing that because actually I had a couple couple friends that yeah. were in that in, yeah. that in those sessions with you, and then you're going to be teaching the following week and, and whatever else, and and so it wasn't going to happen. And and but you you said I'd love to be on this show, and I said, man, I'll take you however I can get you, so maybe we can do it remotely. We set up a time, but you had also told me like, hey, I'm busy. This is going to go into the evening. This may be tough. We may have yeah. to reschedule or push the time. So you're very upfront with me right from the get-go. And then it didn't work out. But you picked up the phone immediately to let me know it wasn't going to work out. And then the next thing you asked me is like, where are you in California? Because I want to come to you. And so I'm, I'm telling people this story because that's the extent or that's the commitment you have or have made to actually having the conversation. Yeah. And 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 I, I want to put that out there so people get that because that's that's the truth. The other part of it was, is like when we figured that out, you're like, hey, you know, like maybe I can get there. And then, then you step back to, let me find a, maybe a better solution to this problem, to have this discussion. And that was, hey, when is SHOT Show again? When are you going to be there? Look, I finish up late on Thursday. I can maybe rent a car. You're working through the problem with me, man. Yeah. You know, I'll, maybe I can rent a car. Maybe I can get a flight. I'm, gonna, I'm in Phoenix. Um, if I get there at this time, then I can be there maybe Friday morning or whatever. And do you have available time at that point? And when can we make this happen? And, and I'm telling the story because, number one, I think you're being very gracious with your time. Number two, you're putting your fucking money where your mouth is. Number two, or number three, you actually made an investment to be here. Like, this isn't this costs money to be here. Like, you're... You're putting yourself out there and 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 to have that conversation. So, um, I, again, I wanted people to hear that from somebody other than you. That is the story behind this. So here we are, right? And we're having this conversation. And this is one way to do it. And not it, it's again, I'm very privileged in, in a lot of ways to be able to have these kinds of discussions, and particularly this one today. But it's not a it's it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, we had to get on airplanes, meet in the middle yeah. of the United States, or whatever. What is the best way to do it? Because clearly Instagram is not the best <laughs> way, man. Like, but I, and, I, and I get, you know, we talked about getting follows and getting likes and at least beginning a conversation. It could be a good place to start. But how do we do it, man? How do you, what's, give me your take on that. I, I think it's like using all the different mediums, right? Like if, if there was, if, if, if this is received well and somebody's like, Hey, I want you on again. I want to talk about this specific mm -hmm. thing to me for my, my level of commitment. It's nothing for me to fly from Fayetteville to California. It's worth it. Right. To have this discussion. So it, it can be as kind of the best format possible. Right. It would be that like, I think level one is like, let's have this discussion in the comment section somewhere. <laughs> Right. And that's yeah, not such a low level, man. That's uh that's not even a good, that's not even a, you talked about standards. That's not a standard. That's yeah. It's too easy for, for, for people to just like, like you said before the mic drop, like, nope, that's wrong. It's, and then just, I'm out. that's not really a conversation, right? That's like kind of two guys just yelling at each other. I think the, that's why I like, I don't have the 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 time to have a podcast i would love to be able to 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 sit down and talk but the lives are such an easy yeah medium right it's to, the hey, next best thing right yeah. now we can we can have it but there's a there's a lot of apprehension to that right um you know i told you 
before we say, I, I call it like, it's a conversation with consequence. And yeah. people find that aggressive, which blows me away. Yeah, why do they, why do you think they think that, man? Like, why do they, why, why think, do they, why do they find you quote unquote aggressive? I think, no, well, I don't, me, I mean, I think in my delivery, self assessed self admittedly, my delivery is one way. It's the way that I talk. Um, it's, I think the way that I'm, I'm very critical in how I think, like I will, I will internally challenge almost everything that I hear. Right. And, and balancing off, is that right? Is it real? Right. And I do my own research. It doesn't matter. Like pick the topic. Where does that come from? I, I have no idea, to be honest. I think it, it comes from, from the way the way that I want to be better at a lot of different things. Okay. Right. My education, right. I'm not an educated person, high school, uh, high school graduate. And I enlisted in the military, but because that when I would hear things from educated people, it would like spawn interest. And that's where I think like, even though I heard it, well, let me challenge it and research it the best that I could ask more questions, you know, and, (sighs) Okay. And just kind of a willingness to do that. And that carried over to my professional life was like, there was a lot of theory-based stuff in terms of training, right? And you have manuals and you read it, but then sometimes you put those things into, into application and training and you see like, this doesn't fit as clean as the manual says it is, mm-hmm. right? And I think that bred like, well, let's challenge this. How can we make it better, right? Are we violating principles if we change it? Yeah, the challenge, that, that word challenges could be, the next word I would say is like, we, we brought up the word aggressive and the next word would be like intimidating, right? And yeah. like they, they might find that intimidating. My personal, like this is similar story is that, you know, I was, I was a nutrition major for a bit there in college before I decided like, this is not the right place for me. I'm not a good fit for this. I was the guy that sat in the front of the class, right? With my hand up or would go up and ask the instructor or the, the professor at the end of the class, like, hey, like I hear what you're teaching here and I see this, like I see where it's coming from. It's mostly theory or it's mostly based on clinical work, but I'm working in these other environments and I'm yeah. talking to these other people. I have this family member or this friend and these concepts, they don't fit. Like, so what's the answer to that or where would I go to get the answer for that? And that was met with a lot of fucking resistance to the point where it turned me off. Right? I was like, I, I'm in the wrong place. This is the wrong room. Right for me to for me to be in right now to get the answers to the questions that I needed. So I chose alternate routes of education. I'm going to go talk to the people that want to have the discussions. Yeah. And there was no Instagram, right? I mean, it was the, yeah. the internet was still very new, right? So it was like I had to go out, which meant I had to travel. I had to go take classes. I had to go, you know, put myself in environments where I was the dumbest guy in the room, like the least educated person in the room. And I wasn't afraid to do that. And asking the questions then just becomes like, I know I need to be a little bit more direct. I'm not trying to sound smart because I know I'm not that smart. I don't maybe know as much as you. I don't have that kind of experience. So I'm going to ask a very direct question to get a very specific answer for me. And and as I was meeting with people that were outside trying to give that information outside the institution of the police department, of the U.S. government or military or whatever else, I started to find there were a lot more people out there that were willing to answer the question and appreciated that discussion um, and would come to me with, you know what, I don't have an answer for that. Like, let me send you this person over here. They have a better answer. You're not seeing a lot of that in this community. Like, people haven't made the commitment to doing that yet. No, and I think when when people 
meet those those questions and challenges with resistance, it's because of they're they're talking about things like they're like, where's the source for the information? They're like, it's right here. It's yeah. me. Yeah. I'm the SME. Well, people that I've run across that are real subject matter experts don't refer to themselves as that because right. they're too busy progressing whatever their field is that they're doing. Right. So I think, I think that uh, there's, I mean, there's a ton of barriers to that type of stuff. You think ego is probably going to in the, in this world, the shooting world, cause there's so much, you know, kind of machismo bravado that's man a, type stuff. That's a factor with guns that there there's very, there's not a lot of humility. There's not a lot of, or there is a lot of ego, right? Guys need to understand it's a journey. You don't have all this stuff figured out. No one does, right? And if if people are challenging you, it's it's good. Try to answer it, right? You're, one of the things I used to do with guys that on my team was I would like, if we had anybody that came in to, to, for training, I was like, we'll do it. And I, and I thought that was a huge uh, developing factor for guys was like, Said, hey, I want you to teach target transitions. They're like, well, I don't know. What do I teach? Just set this up. You start talking. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, you don't even know what you know. You know? Yeah. And then once you start saying, guys are like, damn, I know a lot about this. Right. And it's like, I know you do because we do this, you know, twice a day, five times, a, you know, we do that 10 sessions a week for the last 10 years. I know you know a lot. Now, the thing is, tell somebody what you know. Mm-hmm. And when I think a lot of guys will look at when they're challenged or asked a question, if they don't know the full answer, and everyone says the same thing on the military world, right? If you've ever instructed in the military, it was, if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you I don't know it, and I'll tell you where I can find it, right? That's not real. They don't do that. Yeah. It's like, right? Because the last thing any instructor or somebody from a position of authority in a class situation wants to be is like, I don't know. You ask a question, you're like, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's my point with going to these other people that have stepped outside the institution that were willing to talk to me, right? Because I yeah. wasn't the clinical, you know, person that was coming to this class to learn yeah. this information. You know, that they didn't feel challenged by me in a in a negative way. Like it wasn't I wasn't challenging their ego. They're probably know? also like current practice experts. They're all doing that. And that's where somebody that lives in that field mm-hmm. versus somebody that came from that field are two different things. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, there's, there's more to that, to it, to the story there, too. I mean, I, I was talking about sort of the nutritional. I, I never had an, a nutrition instructor, right, in college that didn't exhibit some some type of disordered eating, some type of eating disorder, <laughs> some type of mania or whatever else, right? I mean, so there's there's that part, too, and they weren't in practice. You know, they were just simply regurgitating information that had been told to them, that would have been told to them by somebody else before that, somebody else before that. So maybe a bad, maybe a bad comparison, yeah. but I, I think I'm picking up what you're, what you're putting down. And the other part about this is, is people are, are taking your affect and they're putting words to it, like aggressive, like divisive, like mean, you know, yeah. like insulting because of, you know, what they're getting off of the, the internet or whatever. And, and look, man, I, Look, I don't, I don't see you that way. I will tell you this. Here's a, here's an interesting story. When, I, when we were supposed to have that, that discussion over the phone, I was telling, I told about three very like people that are really close to me in my life. I'm fucking intimidated about this conversation because 
I don't have a lot of intel on Matt. Like, I don't know who he is. It's not how you came off or like you come off on, on, on Instagram. It's not your personality. It's just that I don't know much about you otherwise. And I want to have this discussion and I don't quite know how to have it the right way, maybe in order, in order to get it out. But then after talking to you on the phone for a few minutes about working through the problem solving scene, you're the same guy. And we're having a discussion about something outside of tactics or shooting or whatever else that, that you're just, you're just a fucking human dude, right? Who's, this is just who you are. Right. And, and, um, I think what, what I see is, and this is not me pumping up mad or trying to brush your hair. Okay. Right? <laughs> right? But but what it is is like I mean humans are humans, right? And and uh I and I think it's you got to you I don't know, stepping back like it you you're not an intimidating dude to me. I I just don't feel that way and I don't think you you're being a dick. You know, when I see people say that I'm like, "Okay, well I I, I can kind of see where you might not really get it." Um but if you don't understand the entire context of the situation and where it's coming from and yeah. who this dude is, I mean, maybe you're being a little bit harsh. Okay, maybe you still don't like the guy. That's fine. But do you have to, is that is that what you want to talk about, that you don't like the guy? Or do you want to have the discussion about the stuff? And my, yeah. my point of this is, is like, okay, so if you can't get past any of that, then the discussion's not going to happen anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But where do you have it? And I think it's got to leave, it has to leave Instagram. Like, yeah, I think, it, I think like a a forum like this would be, Hey, well there, let's have a mediator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, add another chair, Yeah, add right. another can like that, that would be better that the Instagram is, is a hundred percent just ease of use. Right. But anyone that, that I've, that has, I've asked that, Hey, let's come on alive and they're, well, I don't feel comfortable. And I it always, it always, there's a, you know, preceding phone call. Right. And it's like, look, man, I, this is what I want to talk about. Right. Like Travis Haley agreed to come on and, and I, we talked for two hours Mm -hmm. the night before that. And I was like, this is the only thing I want to talk about. Right. This is what, and, and I even tell like, Hey, this is what I think. And these are my views. Right. And then this is what I'm going to talk about. And let's not go anywhere else. Let's keep it in this lane. And then those are boundaries. Yeah. I I always like, Hey, if there's something you don't want to talk about, let me know. And we won't. Right. And then, but the conversation needs to be live because it's going to take little turns sure. and everything else. And then in that one, like I didn't, I really asked very little questions and he just started talking more and more and more and more. And it's like, but I thought the conversation was good. Some people didn't like it. Some people did, but that's always going to be the case. Yeah. Be like it with anything. My, the biggest like kudo that I could give trap is that he is a very well-known guy, huge platform, and he's, he was like, yeah, come on, yeah, let's do this. Right. And at the end of the day, that's where, where people are like, oh, it's divisive. It's toxic. And I've had before that, like text exchanges with him where, you know, talking about it, it doesn't make sense to, I'm not going to acknowledge this thing. And I'm like, Hey, I get it. If you don't want to come on, it's not, it's not going to affect what I do. Right. But it, it says more about you than it says about me. Uh, so look, man, I, that, I, that is what I was, the point I was trying to, to make earlier. I think it says a lot, you know, that you're, you're willing to have that conversation, but you know, you go back to the words divisive, right. And then we talk about the term, I brought up the word community and I said, I wanted to come back to this term community. And I don't even know what that means right now. Like, I, but I am guilty of using the word in my own, you know, context of, 
like when we talk about community, maybe I'm talking about the two-way, you know, uh, uh, or sorry, pro-two-way folks out there. But within that community, there's a million other communities, right? Or maybe I'm talking about the LEO community, right? I don't even know what that means. Like, who, who are we talking about? Are we talking about patrol officers? Are we talking about cops in New York, cops in LA? Yeah. They get used and people latch on to it as a, and it's such this important and almost sacred word. They don't really have like a true definition to really understand what that means. I think people use that word because they want to belong to something that's, that's bigger my than point. them. And or they, or they can't articulate it better than that, whatever it is they want to belong to. Or, or as I'll get a lot of like hate messages about, um, you know, toxic device for the 2A community. And I'm like, I have never once made a 2A statement. Like, I assumed everybody knew how pro 2A. Second Amendment <laughs> I am and how also pro First Amendment I am. So like, what I you- think those things go hand in hand. I didn't know that that was like in question. And then always the, the, well, you know, the, the instructor community. And I tell people the same, I go, let me tell you what, man, for me to become an instruct, a shooting instructor literally was just me saying I'm a shooting instructor. There's no credentialing body for this. Barrier entry is very low. It's that's where, so, so how did I get into this community? Right. It's, well, it's the shooting community. It's like, well, I focus on one very small niche in shooting. Okay. Right. And, and I agree it's, Hey, maybe it's all the same, all the same community or whatever. I never thought like that I belong to it or that I need to have like a agency, a community around me that is support. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing because one, I want to do it and I'm interested in, in helping, you know, certain groups of guys get better that want to be helped. Right. And then, yeah. Is it a community? I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Like it, it's, if it is, it's a very loosely defined one. And then also the, the, the guys that are talking a lot about community are the ones that are like, you can't have this opinion because you didn't come from this background. Which is divisive. They're the ones that are blocking. They're the ones that are like, Hey, I'm just not gonna block. Don't it's like, yeah, that's your choice. But that is, the only people that I will ever block on Instagram is whoever military blazes <laughs> because uh, it's always shared at no, yeah, I'm yeah, good. Like, I don't even know that. Yeah, that's the only blocked person on your I'm account. not a huge techie guy, but that's looks like a bot to me. Yeah, I got you. But, you know, and I, you know, I get a lot of messages about that stuff and I always try to answer them like, Hey man, I really appreciate like, and I try to, as genuine as I can. And I know people, it, it doesn't come up, might not come across this way in a message, but I'm like, Hey, I really appreciate you saying that. I get it. It's not perfect. And it doesn't fall on deaf ears. I hear what you're saying, right? I hear, you know, I know why I posted that and what my intent was. And I, and I, I understand that your perception of it is different and what that does. And it's, it's not lost on me, mm-hmm. right? You took a lot of time to write this, this message of, of how fucked up I am. <laughs> And, and I read it and I was like, Hey, here's my response. I appreciate it. Like, I think part of it is too, Matt, like that the way, again, I mentioned that the, the term affect it's, you're not letting it impact you. And I think you, you get the same Matt, no matter what, right. Whether you're insulting you or agreeing with you. Right. Yeah. Or, or you know, or, or propping you up. I mean, I got a little bit of a chuckle out of you when I said I wasn't going to brush your hair, but the, my point of this is, is like, 
people choose to, 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 to feel or accept your response and however they're, they're going to get it right. Or however they're going to, they're, they're going to, to interpret it. And I'm saying this about you, but it's about me too. I mean, like if you start to get into certain conversations with me, you're going to get an emotionless, very stoic, like, because I don't have emotion about it. I am not going to let this bother me. Like I, I'm just not into it. And by the way, I'm not running for the fucking mayor. So I don't, I, I don't, I'm not really concerned with making you feel good, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad. And if you feel bad, then you better self-examine why you're feeling that right now. That's the, a lot of these emotional things. And right. When you get called certain things, that's a, like, that's a you problem. It's not a me problem. Right. I'm, I don't have any issues with me, my background, where I came from anything or going forward, anything I'm going to do. And your opinion of me doesn't really affect that, right? It may, guys that I really value what they say, hey, I'm going to make mid-course corrections. I take advice from a lot of different people, um, you know, in this space. But the fact that you don't like me doesn't affect me at all, right? Now, there's there's only a couple people, you know, I'm, I'm married, I have a gang of kids, that's what I'm concerned about who likes me. Mm-hmm. Whether or not your company doesn't like my, co- doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me at all, right? Because um, typically we're not friends anyway. Yeah, let's be right? honest. And, yeah. and, and I think with a lot of these dudes, you know, if, you, if we were to sit down at a bar we would, and, and have a beer, we would probably be friends, right? But it's the approach to the, what's happening, you know, in the training world that's the only, it's not like, you know, there's a few guys where like, Hey, I personally would not put you out if you were on fire. Like, but those are, those are also, those are my issues. That's not community or industry space, type space issues, issues right, yeah. but like plenty of dudes. It's like, dude, if we drank, a, we probably would share more, have more similarities than differences. Right. It's just my approach to it it's is different. different. And there's things for me that are deal breakers in the approach to it. Right. I'm, I've been very, very vocal about the, you know, the veteran mentality and all that stuff. And I don't lean on it. I never will. And guys that do, like, I think it's, I think you have to be honest with why you're doing that. Uh, look, the, again, I've had a lot of people sitting in, the, in that chair or here or otherwise that, are, that have really s- said the same thing just in a different way, man. I mean, one of the way I think, I think it was you that I heard say it this way, or maybe gave this little lesson. It's about the inside dog versus the outside dog. Is that you? Yeah. You want to, you want to, want to explain yeah, inside that? Inside dogs and outside dogs, right? Both dogs, right? Both of them have the ability to bark and they look scary, right? But when, when you put both the dogs outside, one of them is going to be at home and the other one's not, right? And the one thing I see is like, Outside, I grew up with great Pyrenees dogs. Those are outside dogs. Those dogs will kill they're predators. Massive, they're, massive, they're, yeah. they're massive, big dogs, right? Yeah. But they're also big snuggle bug animals, bears, you know yeah. what I mean? But they don't really bark very much. They're not overtly aggressive until they want to be. But then you have like the out, the the inside dog that goes outside, right? The the loud barking, right? Goes up to the glass door and barks, 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 barks. But when you open up the door and they're big, big, bad world, yeah. there's a different view of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and, and again, like I didn't make that term up. Those were, those are actually 
conversations that I had had for years, like in the nineties with old recon guys, Mm -hmm. like the, the mentality that I was kind of brought up under like, Hey man, you're, it's like a perform to serve every day, every day you need to be earning it, doing different stuff. Um, and then what you see out here is it's like, there's a, there's not a lot of guys talking about what they're currently doing. They're talking about stuff they did. And, and I get it. I, I am also a huge supporter. I am a veteran. I'm a huge supporter of vets. How could I not be, you know, but that was like, that was stuff we did. Right. And it's your serve. No one in my belief for me only, nobody owes me a thing for my service. Mm-hmm. Those were all choices that I made. Right. Just like choices I continue to make. No one owes me a thing mm-hmm. for that. I did it, you know, because I wanted to. And, and also I really enjoyed it. Right. But at no point in there was I like a chest beating, like the world owes me something. And, and I knew it was all going to end at some point. Right. And when it did end, lift and shift and put all of my, you know, um, kind of aggression and, and drive into another thing. Right. To go forward, because I think if you if you just keep looking behind you like that, then you're going to have problems because yep. it's gone. Right. The day you get out, the day you move your stuff out of the team room, there is, there is a change. And that's a big hurdle that every guy has to get over yeah. in their own way. And nobody cares, man. No, no one except cares. for you. Yeah. If, if you choose to. Right. Like, well, the machine is too big, right? Nobody cares. The, the, the train is going to keep barreling down the tracks. You got off. It's not stopping for a second. Right. And, and I believe you pick any company, any organization, anything. Right. You could take the top 30 percent of the top guys and throw them away. It won't stop. They'll just replace them with other dudes and it, the machine's going to keep going. Yeah, I was just having this conversation with uh, Joe Dawson the other day. Like at any given time, there's like 2,200 Navy SEALs in, in you know, right now currently active, yeah. right? But every year, a couple hundred of them come out the other side, right? And these are the same guys that you they train with and got deployed and did different things and whatever else, but... It's just a, it's just a vicious cycle. It doesn't make them any better or any worse. It just is what it is. It's just a thing. And I want to be really clear about this. I spent a lot of time advocating for, you know, veteran and first responder, mental health, emotional health, and and uh, and propping them up because I highly respect what they who they are and what they've done and and what they've sacrificed and given. Um, so that's it's not like when I say nobody cares. I mean that in in the respect that. It doesn't matter what you did then tomorrow. Like when today, yeah. you're you're here. Tomorrow, you're there. And that's all that matters. To, 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 yesterday, you were there. Today, you're here. Today is really the only thing that fucking matters and then whatever you're going to do forward. So concentrate on today and what are you doing to get better, to improve your yeah. craft, to become, become better, better at it. Yeah, so leaning on on stuff like that, I think, is is dangerous. It's not that I don't respect you, right, and what, what you've done. But if you're trying to tell me that I should respect you because of that, that's probably where there's going to be a problem. And I think there's a lot of people that get out not knowing, or they have like this misdirected energy, um, whether it's out of law enforcement, right? Whether it's out of the military, this misdirected energy of, I should be getting back, right? Because because I put in the work, because I did these things, I am not owed, but I should be getting back, right? And when they recognize yeah. the reality of that, that that's harder than it looks, or it's not as easy as you think it should be. That's met with like this, um, like this contempt or this disdain, and then it shows up 
right? With this overcompensation. People are talking about it. People don't realize like how, how good that the military life was, right? Twice a month, man. Uncle Sugar's dropping money into your account. Regardless, right? Provided you don't get in trouble, right? You're going to have a job. Yeah, just don't fuck up. Right? Yeah, just <laughs> don't, don't do anything that bad, right? And you do, you do some work, you're going to get promoted. Your life's going to continually get better. And then when you get out, I think a lot of guys don't realize, depending on whichever community they come from, you have a ton of skills, right? They're all there. You just don't know, or you're, you're not confident that you're going to tap into them, right? Yeah, yeah, some you, of those- yeah, you don't have the skills to do that well and or translate it into something that works well for somebody that makes you money or makes you a living or, or provides some type of fulfillment in whatever way. Yeah. You've got, you've got skills and life experiences and, you know, abilities that, that nobody else has that did accept that community, right? Whether it's, you come from like the SEAL community, the Marine Corps, the Reco- where whatever, like insert community. They're all unique and you all, everybody's got their own things that they're, that they're super good at, right? They're, Navy SEALs are the best in the world at a list of things, right? And other guys, every community is kind of specific. right? But lean on those skills and develop something. Mm-hmm. Develop something that is, one, it's going to first and foremost give you fulfillment that you enjoy to do. And then also that you can turn into a business. The, the difficult part is doing that without talking about the other. Thing. Yeah. That's the thing that I think is the most, has the biggest struggle. And some people will turn the talking about the other thing into maybe books or stories or, you know, podcasts or whatever else. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that gets, that gets like, in my view of it, like those are the exceptions, right? Yeah. Like a lot of the Small guys, percentage. a lot of the, the SEAL team guys I know, right. That is not, what you see, what's bombarded in the media is not a representation of most of them. Right. That's the, their experience, their thing. Yeah, yeah. The vast majority of them. Right. And the, the same thing holds true. It's like, whether it's recon guys, Rangers, you know, everybody, every community has their guy that gets out and writes a book. Right. Right. And it's depending on how it's received Some or what are better it is. Than others, yeah. yeah um, but it's not a representation of everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it gets, that gets skewed sometimes like, where, yeah, where like you shouldn't be talking about this because you didn't do this or you didn't do the specific thing. Yeah. And you know, this is the guy over here who's the authority on it, you know, or whatever. I see that compare and contrast happen quite frequently. And as a guy, and as a, again, as an end user, I'm just, just Joe citizen, you know, looking to improve yeah. my, my firearm skill and my survivability <clears throat> and, you know, whatever, my lethality, whatever, you know, however you want to want to look at it, shit gets annoying. It really does because it's not that I don't respect it. Here's the thing. And I guess this is looking back at my own experiences in the fitness business. You know, at, at one point in, in, in my career, I had a, a guy who used to be, a, he was a world light heavyweight champion boxer at one point and had to go through a lot of fights to get there. And, yeah. at, the, and at the end, he probably went a little too long, right? And he, and he, he, it wasn't that he hated it, but he was getting in the ring and he wasn't resenting it, but it, he just wasn't really feeling it. He didn't have the same passion for it. And he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't getting out of it, you know, and he wasn't, then he started, started not winning. Right. And so now it's like, now you're taking an ass beating and you're, you're not even getting paid and you can't afford, you know, to feed your family or yeah. whatever else. So they get out and they're like, well, 
all I know is he gets out. All I know is boxing. Right. And so he jumps and's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to train boxer. I'm going to train people to box and people are going to want to box with me because of my, you know, my background. Yeah. And it takes years and years and years of this guy really struggling. Right. And eating, you know, beans and rice, you know, to try to get through. And, and as it, as that's happening, he's, de- he's continuing to deteriorate and he's not being resentful, but he's continuing to deteriorate. And my point of this is, is in the end, he, he made a little money, right. And, and, but he wasn't really happy and he didn't really get what he wanted out of it. And he put all his eggs in that basket and it was sad. It was yeah. really sad to watch happen. And, and I, I see people kind of hanging on for too long with this. Like, well, I did this and I'm, and I'm doing that. And they're in this business and they're influencing it somewhere. They're in this space. They're influencing it some way, some way. And then when it stops not working for them really well, you see this shift. And you're not exactly sure where it happens, but then it gets really kind of weird, kind of ugly. And I, I wonder what your thoughts are on that as you're kind of, it's because it's new. You've been in this since like 2000, when you said 19, right? Like the well, X-ray yeah, alpha. Like, yeah, 2020, 2020 is when I started. So it's sort of, in, in let's just look at the last two, three years. It's the, the space, specifically instruction space, but also like competition shooting space is exploded. Yeah. Right. So, and the barrier of entry is very low for people to come into this, but I'm watching some of these people sort of deteriorate and as they're deteriorating, they're getting a little bit bitter. They're getting a little salty, right? And other people within their camps are starting to adopt that, that uh, I, I guess, that kind of that attitude or whatever. And they seem to be taking it out or looking for fights or, or you know, I don't know, trying to keep the ship afloat when it's just, it's sinking. Like, it, the shit doesn't hold up anymore, man. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, and I don't have a good answer for for why that is. I think it's it's interesting that, you look at it from, you know, the vet side of the guys that are propping it up with that are, that's never existed in any other war that we did. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and a lot of, maybe it's the, how long it, it went, but I think you've got to, if you still have a passion for it and it's still good. Right. I think those people don't get bitter, mm-hmm. but that also that passion and that drive that you have, fosters development Mm -hmm. so it's it's evolving right what i what i think is really weird in the training space is is the guys that aren't evolving what they're teaching right it's hey i'm teaching the same thing that i taught five years ago that's my point it's a little sad it is it's like this is again it's like it's a train that's moving right and and i feel like man i'm doing everything to hang on to to just to keep up and try to keep up with with the guys that, that, that I shoot with, that I train with. Right. And, and their, their success in, in shooting in terms of skills and abilities and like accolades that they're winning motivates me like, man, I gotta, you gotta get better. You gotta mm-hmm. do this, you know? And, the, and it, and to me, the, the conversations that I have with them and I think the, the conversations that I want to have, like with people, you know, publicly in that form in the debates, it all breeds innovation. Right. It, it gets everybody talking and everybody thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not I'm pretty a lot like or I'm very much like you in that I'm kind of agnostic about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't. The only thing I'm really emotional and passionate about is the best way. And I don't know that way. So until that, it out. until that comes in, it's like, yeah, somebody you I can very easily if I'm doing something that's not as good as what you're doing, I'm going to look at what you're doing. And see if parts of what you're doing that I can like use those to 
make myself more successful in my own training. It's fair to say though, and fair to, I guess maybe more fair to ask, if you say it's better and you're going to tell me it's better, you should be able to tell me why and articulate it why, you know, yeah. as to why it is better. Like I'm seeing, you're, it's one thing for me to, act, to, to look at you and go, well, that shit's way better. And I, I should be doing what Matt's doing. I need to talk to him about that versus Matt, that's not a good way. You should be looking at this or I'm doing it better than you. And, 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 and this is because I learned it this way, or we've been doing it this way, or equated to this. What you're asking for is a little bit deeper explanation. Like, okay, why? Like, that's yeah. what I'm asking for. I'm asking for why are we fucking doing this then? Like, I, I think that goes back to the critical thinking, right? Yeah. That's the first step. If somebody tells you, hey, you're going to do A, B, and C. Okay, what are we trying to accomplish? Why are we doing it this way? Are we aligned? Yeah. Like, let's just start thinking about this, right? Like the process improvement, and I'm attack the the system, the archetypes, but it's not to break it down. It's not to destroy it, divide it. Like it's to make it better. You know, like ultimately, like my goal would be, I want to come up with a way to train that the guys that will get to where I'm at and surpass me much faster than it took me. Mm. That would be the goal, right? Like you think of it in terms of of fitness coaches, Mm -hmm. right? The power lift, there's going to come a time where you're not, the dudes the you train are good. better than you, right? Right? They're they're going to be. I look at it with my sons. My two oldest boys are significantly. They're they're twenty seven and twenty. They're significantly stronger than I ever was mm-hmm. at that age. Both of them would have crushed me, mm-hmm. right? And it's how they're approaching training, like the, the physical side it's of evolved. training now, and mm-hmm. like you know, in soft is. Dude, they're 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 treating kids. They're professional athletes, right? Right, and they're finally getting, we're treating them that way. Yeah, it seems like yeah, <laughs> man. And I've seen the evolution of that where it was like when a lot of the real science approach came in, it was very football esque. And I think it's gotten so much better over the years. Where now it's like morphed into like this is what these guys need. It's not how big and strong and you know gnarly you can get. It's not the bigger beard, the bigger chest, you know, you the know, bit the 200, you know, 260 pound, you know, operator yeah. out there, they recognize that that's not necessarily the best way. Um, yeah. It's a, I would even say that that's like a huge, like I, when I would see big guys like that, I'm like, man, how are we going to carry it's a this liability? Dude? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're big. You can smash a lot of stuff, but yeah. contingency stuff, man. Like yeah, you're huge. <laughs> I, I hear, but you mentioned the term innovation there, and that benefits everybody. But it can also be scary for people, right? Like just the change. People just generally don't like that. You mentioned the other thing you mentioned was the macho, right? And like you know, people get their egos egos yeah. bruised, and you know they they get buttered. And then there's also the 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 again the the factions or the agency or the communities within the community. Yeah. And just to even say that is divisive, right? Because what am I really saying? I don't know. I'm just saying that. Like, is, if you just say like, hey, I just separated people you by guys, saying that. You guys are, you know, and, and then how you describe, like the, the easiest way to describe the communities are like fanboys. Oh, that's another negative term. Right. It's like, okay, well, how? Yeah, I caught myself like, like I got to be careful that I don't look like I'm complimenting what Matt here. now do you want me to use for you then? Yeah, because now so, I'm so fanboying. that you can how am I supposed to refer to you? Right. right. And that's, what's weird is like you, those are the same ones that are doing, in my opinion, all the divisive shit. Yeah. What do I say? Like, what am I supposed to say? It's not going to piss you off. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to say? That's not going to make me look like, you know, like I'm, 
again, like I'm fanboying you or whatever negative connotation yeah. you come up. So I pay a guy a compliment and it's go, oh, this guy, you know, but if I, if I attack you, you know, then it's all oh, this guy. Like, again, this, by saying there's communities within the community, I guess is divisive in, in and of itself. And that would not have come up even into my head had we not be having this, discu- this yeah. discussion right now. I think there, there's a lot of people that confuse like, like challenging an idea with like a personal attack. And I, and I, I think that's, that becomes like a societal thing because, because mm-hmm. guys aren't, fi- they, kids don't fight anymore. Right. And, and, and it is like a softening, not that these guys are getting soft, but the, the mentality is softening over time. So that a challenge is like, it's an, it's attack. an attack. It's hate. It's like, well, no, that just, in my mind, when I hear that, it's like, you don't know what an attack looks like or what real hate would look like, right? Because it, it would be something too, like mo- the, the sane person wouldn't put that on Instagram, right? It's a, that's too personal or whatever. Um, but it, I think it's a softening, like it's the same way getting called. I would have never thought another grown man that likes to shoot guns would call another grown man toxic. toxic. But yeah. it, it happens very, it happens frequently. Yeah. yeah. I, the softening too. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I, <laughs> Cece's sitting over on the couch chuckling right now because we were talking about, you know, back in the day, you know, we used to have to run lines or whatever after practice till we threw up or whatever. The fucking hate just starts coming in in the comments section, you know, uh, with regard to, you know, how inappropriate that is or, you know, you guys are just old guys and it's always the back in the day comments. I don't be careful about that because like I'm about to say this, like you're going to get hate for even saying softening, right? So this is the point, right? Like yeah. even saying like people are soft. What does that mean, man? Um, they're just not being dicks, like, you know, like you. It, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, this all started from a platform, right? And, you know, from, yeah. a, from a social media platform. But you brought up some really good points there and just in sort of, you know, bringing this thing to a close and that is the pushing you know, to be better as an individual instructor, not being afraid to put that out there. You said it at the beginning and then put out there what it is that you're doing, not the highlight reel, but this is me doing what I'm doing. And it's not going to look perfect. And it might be different than what you learned or what your policy or your procedure, yeah. you know, at your department or your unit or whatever it else else looks like. Respect what it is that I'm trying to do. Um, and this is what I'm, I'm saying this across the board to everybody. Respect what people are trying to do, I think it's safe. And I think the community does need to police itself. The community, there it is again. The space needs to, to police itself with some of the things out there that are, that are, I believe there are things out there that are maybe uh, dangerous um, and divisive in the sense that what you're doing is you're just trying to start, start shit, right? You yeah. are just trying to start shit. But that, because I'm having an opinion doesn't mean I'm trying to start shit. It just means I'm having an opinion. And if you don't want to engage, then don't, en- if, if if you don't want to engage, then don't engage. You just mentioned like hit the unfollow button for God's sakes. Yeah. I think a lot of guys need to be honest, like where there, there is, you, know, you talk about the real version of what you see within the social media world. And really like the social media is a marketing. 1000%. It's, it's marketing. It's a, so I get it's it. It's a soundbite. It's a hot you take. You want to present the best view or whatever, but, but I think it needs to be realistic because at the end of the day, like we're not, we're not teaching people how to work out right there for guys, some guys that may be looking to get information. There is, 
a life or death kind of outcome with the application of that information. And by the way, you shouldn't be going to Instagram for that. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is like if you if you're looking for information that's going to protect you in, in life from from life, a life or death situation, I'm not sure you should be trying to get all that information from Instagram. You need to get off your ass. You need to go out. You need to train. Yeah. Oh, I I think from yes the like tactics world. Like a lot of the organizations possess all of the skill to develop their own TTPs, right? And then outside guys can come in and like refine that sure. stuff or give them different looks or when they, hey, we just don't know, right? And then it, it turns into like an experience-based conversation. But but if the experience isn't law enforcement, it's not really relevant, mm-hmm. right? Now we're talking about principles. Now it's like, hey, I'm going to look at what you're doing. I can help you do it as efficiently as I can because of what we did at this level, but I understand it's different, Mm -hmm. right? I don't face the same issues that you face. The conditions are different. And that's where I think guys need to be on more, more honest and maybe a little bit more, um, you know, judicious in how they put that stuff out. Like it's not 2008 in the GWAT anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and, and stop leaning on, let's lean on principles, lean on what are you doing now, nowadays? Like, what are you doing to progress this? And it becomes very difficult from a tactic standpoint, because if you're not in a unit, you're not a SWAT guy or what, you're where are evolving. you doing CQB? You're not evolving, yeah. You know, it, there's part that can be, hey, the instructor's talking about, like, hey, let's refresh this stuff, like what would be called like in-service training and and that things. But But at the end of the day, you get, you get out from that world, there's a shelf life on what you know, mm-hmm. right? And it just starts degrading minute by minute, right? And I think when you carry that too far, then it's like, yeah, what you're doing, if you're not focusing on principles, then you're kind of missing the mark, mm-hmm. right? Because the principles have never changed. Right. And that might not be, that principle post might not be the sexiest thing that's going to get you, you know, 14,000 likes. So, None of it is sexy. So as soon as you start going to this place where you're you're sacrificing, you're compromising, you're trying to get the hot take every time, like I said, I think it's sad. Like I when I when I look at it, that might sound a little weird, but I see people putting stuff out. I'm just like, really, man? Like, I get it. I mean, you get on my Instagram, there's a clip, there's a snip. There's going to be snippets from this podcast that are going to be five seconds long that are going to get a million views on whatever platform and people are going to develop a whole story around around that five, five second snippet. That is the world we live in. And you have to be, you have to, you have to recognize that. So be, be judicious about what it is that you're putting out there. Um, and, and put, and if you're going to do that and it knowingly that it's going to create or stir this conversation, be open in whatever platform that you can, you know, provide to have that. And I think that's what you're doing. And that's what I wanted to hear from you, I guess. I mean, I wanted to sit down and and kind of have that discussion so that like the dude says he wants to do it. So let's do it. Like, let's, let's have a conversation. Um, and, and more people should be open to doing that. And I, this is going to be an ongoing discussion, right? I mean, tomorrow, you know, like, and and when this podcast comes out, I don't know, we got a lot of content. We've, we got to get it out there. So, um, but the, you know, whenever this hits, there's going to be a lot of posts between then. There's going to be a lot of discussions there's going to be a lot of yeah. FaceTime lives and all, and all that stuff. And, and, and the, this will be an ongoing discussion, but I, I do, I, I appreciate you sitting down and, and having it with me okay. first. And I already like, at risk of overdoing it. Thank you so much for coming all the way here. It's my pleasure, man. To do I'm, this. I'm grateful you had me and 
that I could be on it. I, I, I appreciate it, you know? Well, I know I'm the host. I'm supposed to kind of wrap this thing up, man, but I'm going to turn it over to you. Is there anything you want to you want to finish up or leave people with before we, we hang it up for the day? No, man. No, I, I don't. I, I think we, we, we said a, a lot of things. Uh, again, I mean, I appreciate it, you know, being able to come on. I think these types of conversations are important and they need to be had. So um, thank you for having me. You're welcome, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.